Hi, welcome to the Higher Ed Huddle, Hot Off the Press podcast, where we bring you the latest higher ed news and stories twice monthly. I'm Joe Trano, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chase Good. We are with Barry Dunn's Higher Ed Management and IT Consulting Team. Chase, how are you today? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? Good. Good, Good to talk to you again. Um, in our last uh, episode, we, um, we brought the top seven trends in higher ed for 2023. And um, to just remind our listeners what those first three were, um, those stories were related to efforts to fix financial aid, student loan forgiveness, and can the U.S. News and World Rankings recover? Those were the topics of those first three trends that we touched on. And so today we're going to finish out the remainder of that top seven list with four additional topics. So I'm looking forward to hearing what those, what those four are. And with that, I'll just kick it off and uh, turn it over to you. Great. Yeah. So jumping right into it, the the fourth trend um, that the higher ed dive said to be on the lookout for was really around uh, race conscious admissions policies. So the Supreme Court will finally decide this year on the challenges to policies at uh, Harvard and UNC Chapel Hill, among other organizations that consider applicants race during the admissions process. And so there's a conservative uh, legal organization that's taking this court, uh, taking this case to the Supreme Court. They're called the Students for Fair admissions. And experts are predicting that this group will be successful given the conservative uh, majority in Congress or in the Supreme Court. However, uh, the reality is that this ruling would only apply to a small percentages of colleges in the U.S., um, as, most as most institutions still accept the majority of applicants. And so experts have advised admissions offices to talk with other departments about strategies on messaging in the event of, uh, of a ruling against um, those types of policies and strategies to continue uh, developing and enrolling uh, diverse student bodies. So it'll be interesting to keep on the lookout, you know, given the, the majority in, in the Supreme Court right now. There, there may be a, a leaning one way or the other. Um, but again, that was just one of those trends that it'll be interesting to see in 2023. Moving on to number five, uh, which is really focused on college consolidations and really the, the trend that we've seen in previous years where colleges have combined forces given financial difficulties and enrollment trends, um, that will likely continue to persist uh, throughout 2023. So, the financial stretches that existed during the pandemic, those will likely not go away. And there's very little uh, additional financial or um, federal aid on the horizon for those institutions. And so among some of the major closings and consolidations, Lincoln College, which is an HBCU in Illinois, uh, has recently shut down uh, due to cyber attacks. And so that was um, kind of one of those other trends, uh, kind of the eighth trend to watch for is really around uh, cybersecurity and, and uh, ransomware attacks. But among some of the other major uh, closings and consolidations, uh, Indiana University, and Purdue is splitting up uh, operations to be run by several constituent universities. And Delaware County Community College is closing uh, different campus locations and consolidating their staff into their central office. In other news, uh, Fitch Ratings, which is a national credit ratings provider, has um, 
narrowed their projection for the upcoming year uh, and, and indicated that it's, quote, stable but declining for higher education, um, given the impetus of the shallow recession that's on the horizon, as well as some of those other financial difficulties that we've just talked about. And as colleges continue to uh, feel the financial stress and uh, shrinking student bodies, you know, more of these consolidations and closures will likely um, continue. And it'll be, you know, one of those things to watch out for uh, in 2023. Yeah, that's um, that's not a surprising trend. Uh, you know, we've had several conversations with guests in the past about, and this is on the Higher Ed uh, Huddle podcast, a long format podcast. We've had guests on um, who are CFOs in university and community college space, and they've talked about really looking for new ways to cut costs. So costs uh, are significant in higher ed, as we all know. Um, and that's one way to really offset the enrollment decline and the revenue um, that's realized through tuition or if it's state funding that's reduced. Um, so I, I, I can see that um, is a focus area for uh, colleges and universities. And certainly I think, um, you know, just from a business standpoint, it makes sense to make sure that, you know, you're you're operating as efficiently as possible. And so, when times are tough, uh, people tighten their belts and look for ways to be more efficient, uh, look for savings, cost savings, um, collaboration, and con- consolidation certainly helps with that. So I'm sure there'll be continued um, focus on this area that we'll see over the next few years. And it'll be interesting to see what the enrollment cliff that we see coming in 2026, 2027, what impact that will have on further uh, closures or reduction or consolidation. Absolutely. And I think it'll also be interesting to see how, what are the other techniques and and tactics that institutions use to combat these financial stresses? Um, You know, thinking about other ways to generate revenue and, you know, different types of courses and programs that could help attract students. Um, Specifically thinking about online education as as a primary means to grow revenue kind of leads directly into that sixth trend, which is around the the scrutiny for online program management providers. So OPM companies, those are the third parties that help institutions establish an online presence and and degree courses and, and things of that nature. So both investors and different higher education institutions will be closely watching OPMs uh, throughout this next fiscal year. And this is something that we've already talked about in previous episodes, but it's really around the contractual terms that these OPMs and the institutions agree on. So there in, in, Previous instances, the the contracts have been heavily weighted um, towards uh, pushing off the the share of revenue to the OPMs until the courses are up and running, and so. A lot of times that can account for up to 60% of the revenue that's generated by those courses. But again, that does not, that's not passed on to the OPMs until after those courses are already in production. What's also being looked at is the recruiting techniques that these OPMs are using to attract students. There's been some scrutiny around the legality of some of the language that they're using, and some have even claimed, such as students at USC, that a lot of the the, uh, benefits that these OPMs are are touting are actually false, uh, specifically around job placement rates and uh, kind of the the future of those students once they graduate from uh, online education. Um, So it'll be interesting 
interesting to see. I, I definitely think that there will be some changes made to the contractual language, but whether or not those OPMs will still, you know, be the the driving force behind developing uh, online programs for institutions, that's still yet to be seen. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the uh, the topic around uh, enrollment, which you're going to touch on shortly. Um, has some some interesting information regarding online education. So, as we as we look ahead, it'll be interesting to see if you know online education continues to grow, or if there is going to be um, a kind of a leveling off where there's still an interest in in person uh, learning, um, and not just 100% online learning. I think there'll always be. Uh, demand for in-person, on-campus learning. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but I, I agree with uh, this trend is, is certainly an area to keep an eye on. And it'll be interesting to see kind of what shakes out over the next uh, next few years. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're leading right into it. That, that seventh and final trend is really around um, the enrollment changes that are occurring in higher ed and, and kind of what to expect looking forward. Um, but I know that there was a more recent article that was just published by Inside Higher Ed actually just last week that you brought up. And so I'm wondering if you could kind of touch on that just to give us the most recent up-to-date information around enrollment trends in higher education. Yeah, thanks, Chase. Um, this was an article uh, in Inside Higher Ed published uh, on the 2nd of February. And the, the title of the article was A Very Promising Sign, which kind of caught my attention. Um, and the, the subtitle was really for the first time since the onset of COVID, uh, first year enrollment increased from the previous year, um, though it's too soon to say if the trend will continue. So very interesting um, contrarian uh, view uh, or at least trend that we're seeing based on the the article that you found two weeks prior that really had more of uh, a decline uh, identified. So uh, what's interesting about this article is that um, it identified through some data that after more than two years of declining enrollment numbers, you know, during the pandemic, fall of 2022, uh, brought some refreshing news that freshman enrollment, which represented the most significant deficits through the pandemic, is up from the previous year. And that was according to the latest data from the National Student Clearinghouse Center. Um, so nearly, what does that mean? So nearly 2.3 million freshmen enrolled in college or university last semester, and that was a 4.3% increase over fall of 2021. So pretty healthy jump. Uh, from the 2.2 million who enrolled in fall 2020, soon after the COVID-19 pandemic began. So um, promising sign, while the numbers still remain below the two point, roughly 2.5 million freshmen who enrolled in 2019, which was pre-pandemic, this is a very promising sign for higher ed. Um, that, that's according to the Research Center's Executive Director. Um, freshman enrollment was up across all higher education sectors with the greatest growth coming from community colleges, which gained 42,000 first-year students since last fall. And that was an increase of 6.1%. So what's interesting is that it's not entirely clear why students are returning to higher education now or whether the trend is likely to continue into this fall. Um, so... The director of the University of Pennsylvania's Institute for Research on Higher Ed said 
um, he thinks it's positive. He doesn't think it's a trend yet. Um, and he thinks we need to see more to know if this is going to stick. So it's really going to be something we keep an eye on throughout the remainder of this year, but also next year to see if it's a, if it's, if it's trending in that, um, in that increased line, if you will. Um, what's interesting is the director also speculated that one reason that freshmen might be enrolling in greater numbers is because many colleges and universities have cut their online course offerings, allowing students to have more traditional college experience if they enrolled two years ago. So that, that was the point I was trying to make earlier about online education is that um, the increases may, you know, this is specul a speculation that may be related to students wanting to come back on campus and have that in-person experience. And so that's, that's very interesting. So the other point that was made in the article is that uh, another higher ed uh, senior researcher at Hanover Research indicated that the recruitment techniques that colleges and universities adopted during the pandemic may be working. So as you can imagine, um, a lot of the admissions and recruitment departments had to pivot to, to really get um, students to enroll in more of an online platform. And so maybe the, the, the work that they have done over the last couple of years has really started to, to pay off. Also, you know, targeting, being more targeted and more intentional on the recruitment front could also be a fact that's impacting the increase in enrollments as well. So um, overall, this article really indicated an enrollment increase, which is not something that we've heard over the last, I don't know how many years, but, you know, we've continued to, to see enrollments decline. So this, this is a, a, a good sign. Uh, it's not a trend uh, quite yet, but it is a good sign. And uh, we'll, we'll just pay attention and see, um, you know, see, see what kind of plays out over the next few, uh, few years. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think that's really interesting. And I'm really glad that you brought it up because, you know, of course, the, the inside or the higher ed trends um, that, you know, we had originally discussed were really focused on kind of the negative side of enrollment growth, mm -hmm. you know, the, yeah. the declining enrollment trends that we were seeing in previous years. But you know, it is, you know, somewhat to be expected. I would, I would think that enrollment would kind of rebound and, and <clears throat> is similar to the ways that other things have uh, following the the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, I'd also be interested to see kind of where geographically speaking um, the the greatest increases and in, in declines are. Um, thinking about um, potential students who who might want to look for institutions that are outside of their their home states, if if those states have been um, more uh, restrictive with with pandemic and uh, responses and, and lockdowns and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, where did you find any information around uh, kind of geographic trends? Um, I did not, and that that would be helpful to see because I I like I like where you're going with that comment. Um, it would be it would be helpful to understand um, where where these growths are occurring, and is it geographically um, related or what else is going on? We do know that um, there was a lot of movement of uh, individuals um, moving from different states to other states based on some of the COVID restrictions and also um, quality of life. And so 
It could also be that, um, you know, now that they're through the pandemic, they're interested in going back to school and they're in a different location than they were. So um, maybe more rural areas are seeing an increase um, in enrollment, for example. So I, don't, I, I think that would be helpful. Maybe that's something that we can look, uh, look at for our next uh, episode just to see if there's anything that we can find as far as uh, data. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. And, you know, of course, as you mentioned, it's still a little too early to tell whether or not this will this trend will continue, um, you know, thinking about the next few years. And, of course, the enrollment cliff that, you know, many people have mentioned, and that's coming, you know, around 2025 or 2026. But, you know, thank you uh, for bringing this up. And I, I can't wait to dig into this a bit more. Yeah, same here. And thank you for, for this original uh, story of the top seven trends. Um, for higher ed in 2023, I think it's, uh, you know, some really good topics there. And we'll, we'll continue to kind of monitor some of these stories as they continue to develop. Certainly this, uh, this enrollment, uh, story is, is one of great interest. So thanks for listening to the later, latest news in higher ed. Uh, for our listeners, if you wish to read more about these, uh, news items, please refer to our show notes. Uh, to links uh, to these stories, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google. Check back in two weeks for more higher ed news from Chase and I. Until then, stay well. Stay well.